I'm Michelle, certified personal trainer and certified nutrition coach. And I'm Marissa, and I'm a certified nutrition coach and group fitness instructor. And this is the Strong and Simple Podcast. We're tackling the latest fads, trends, and hot topics in the nutrition, wellness, and fitness industries using science and conversation to bust myths and give you the information you need to navigate the bullshit. Tune in for your twice a week truth bombs every Tuesday and Friday. We, Michelle Farrell and Marissa Zabo of the Strong and Simple Podcast, reside on Pawtucket land. We acknowledge the land and the Pawtucket people, as well as the land and the people of the many Native nations of whom the land belongs. To respect and honor them and their land, as well as to be mindful of the harm colonialism has and continues to do on the Indigenous people of the United States and the world. This land acknowledgement is our commitment to support Indigenous peoples and their voices in the struggle against systemic oppression and for human rights, as well as to push against the cancelling and erasure of their history, their stories, their culture, and their present. We encourage you to visit native-land.ca to discover whose land you are residing on, as well as ways to support Indigenous folks. Hello and welcome back to the Strong and Simple Podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Zabo, with my co-host, Michelle Farrell, over there on the other hey, side hey. of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and we're really excited to be joined by our guest today, Gretchen Myers, who hey. is a certified personal trainer and also a certified intuitive eating counselor. So Gretchen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I do want to uh, change that. I'm a certified intuitive eating lay facilitator. So a counselor, you oh. require you're required to be either a dietitian or I'm um, working that field. I don't. So I'm technically a lay facilitator. So oh, okay. all that means is I have I have exactly the same education as a counselor. But when it comes to diet, that kind of uh, you know, if I'm going to diagnose someone, I'm going to refer it out just to an actual mm. dietitian. So that's just the difference. Just that's that. absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that. Actually, I think that's a great place to start because I think there's a lot of, I mean, like we hear, we were just briefly talking before we started recording about how this term like intuitive has been co-opted in so many ways. And I have, I mean, so many people will like approach me as I'm explaining, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm a non-diet nutrition coach. Like, oh, so you do intuitive eating. And I'm like, uh, no, not certified in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you kind of explain like what intuitive eating is and what is the difference between somebody who is certified in intuitive eating and somebody that's just kind of doing the thing? Well, I think there's like, there's such a wide spectrum in the answer to that one. But for the first part, uh, <laughs> you know, some people do some really great things that aren't certified and some people do some really horrible things that aren't certified. So there's, you know, there's a whole spectrum mm-hmm. of that. But when it comes to what intuitive eating is, as Evelyn Tribble, one of the founders of it, describes it as a self-care eating frame framework. And that's exactly how I look at it, right? When you look at diets, diets are so focused on, you know, uh, specific meals and specific foods and intuitive eating brings in your actual emotional attachment to food, your emotional connection to food, how it plays out in your life. Like it looks at the bigger picture. It's a more holistic way to look at eating than just a meal plan. Mm. So that's, that's what it is when it comes to 
All right, what, what was the exact question? Being certified versus non-being certified? Is that where we're, where we're going? Yeah, like, you know, what is what is the difference between somebody who is actually like an official intuitive eating professional yeah. versus like, you know, other people out there that say they're doing intuitive eating, but maybe they're not. Right, yeah. So <clears throat> that's actually, yeah, yeah, a great point. Is I actually went through a training with, um, Evelyn herself, in addition to uh, other people that are certified under her, it's like a, it's a process where it involves uh, like a test and then you do some um, workshops with Evelyn. I got to do with Evelyn. She actually, I don't think she's done them while, although I think she's back. She got diagnosed with breast cancer and then she was kind of out of the loop for a while. Yeah. Yikes. Went through, yeah, she went through, went through the whole thing, but thankfully she's doing a lot better now. Um, so I actually got to work with her right before she got sick. And then, uh, and then you do some group work with other people in the field. And I'm always, I was always the only uh, personal trainer. Everybody else in the group was either a nutritionist or a dietitian or in that field. So it was actually pretty awesome to be in there because I felt like I learned a lot from them and really just expanded my uh, referral network, quite honestly, because, you know, there's a scope of practice when it comes to being a lay facilitator as there is to being a counselor. And I know my fucking boundaries and I know, you know, I know when to refer out. I think that's a really important thing as a trainer to know. Mm -hmm. So people who talk about intuitive eating um, without being certified, they may read the books, you know, there's a book, there's a workbook. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a challenge to, unless someone's certified, it's a challenge to know where they're coming from when they talk about intuitive eating. Because if you've seen, you know, even when we talk about, you know, like that, the last, like the last biggest bullshit was that intermittent fasting thing or the mm -hmm. no, well, intuitive fasting. Intuitive fasting. fasting. Yeah. I know. I can go in if she, she ruins things sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but there was so much noise and I feel like, you know, people went just off the rails with what really like destroying what intuitive eating really was around that time. And so like I, when I see things talking about intuitive eating, um, I'm, I'm really looking at through a lens of like, where are they coming from? Like, where's their background? Are they selling weight loss? Oftentimes they are right. Mm -hmm. And they're co-opting that language as uh, you just mentioned. So it's harder to know who's coming from an authentic self-care thought process when it comes to eating and who's not unless they're certified I guess is my the long answer to that question yeah yeah absolutely definitely um I loved that you touched on <clears throat> the fact that this was an opportunity for you to kind of grow your referral network I think I mean something that I see very frequently and I hear about very frequently is folks, you know, they'll sign up to work with a personal trainer and they'll be like, great. Can you also give me a meal plan, mm -hmm. which is not within the scope of practice of a personal trainer, but they'll do it sometimes. It's not all of them. Some of them do. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize that unless your personal trainer also carries some other nutrition credential, they have no business giving you a meal plan. Right. Yeah. And in addition to that, uh, a lot of the uh, certifying um, entities, I'll say, in, in the fitness world that do nutrition coaching, are all of that information is largely based on what has been taught when it comes to what health is. And that's usually surrounding, right, the scale and what, yeah. what a number is and keeping yourself within a certain uh, calorie allotment. So it's like outdated, unrealistic information that keeps getting perpetuated. So yeah, it's it's a challenge to know. And I've seen Michelle, I've heard you talk about 
that yourself about not working outside your scope of practice. And Marissa, I'm just getting to know you now, but it's really <laughs> important to be mindful of that as a trainer that they're like, that's not our shit. That's not what we do. You know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And there's definitely, I mean, there's reasons for those scopes of practice and there is damage that can absolutely be done <laughs> when totally. you start to kind of stir out there. I know Michelle and I have talked previously about, you know, being individuals who have struggled with disordered eating in the past and, you know, having a sit down with a personal trainer to work with them. And the first thing they ask is, you know, do you want to lose weight? Tell me about your eating habits. And even with the knowledge that like, no, this is, this is a conversation that should be off limits because it's triggering for me. Um, yeah. I was just actually, I was talking about that today or posting that about today. Don't you too find it kind of amazing that there is no education when you become a trainer about uh, eating disorders. It's not part of, a it's not a requirement. It's not even part of it. Even today in 2022, although there's fucking mountains of things that should be in 2022 that are not happening in 2022. This is just one of them. I yeah, find it yeah. fascinating because it's literally like, it's just, it's so problematic that it's such a, there are such huge, huge numbers of people that have eating disorders and disordered eating, and they're coming to us Mm -hmm. for fitness plans and they're disordered and we don't have enough knowledge to recognize things, to call it out, to, uh, just to be mindful of how we approach these people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I started my personal training certification in January. I won't name the entity on here. Cause I don't want to get my ass sued. Um, but literally within the first chapter, I think I immediately picked up my phone and I texted Michelle and I was like, Jesus tap dance in Christ with the indoctrination yeah. First chapter, literally like health problems, obesity is an epidemic and it's yeah. killing people left. Like I, I literally was like, this is absolutely, you know, and literally the previous paragraph was talking about how big into science they are. And I'm like, I don't think you are because yeah. the science isn't actually backing up what you're saying. Right. Um, so it's like the opposite is what's going on in these personal training certifications. And you have to have some knowledge about, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And, uh, you know, a lot of trainers like, you know, come into it, not really knowing because they're being taught what they think is right. And so they're missing a whole piece that is like, that is a huge part of their clients' lives because it's the books aren't fucking telling them that. Yeah. yeah. It's I took yeah. a, I took a certification class for um, working with youth. And there was a whole section about how to use calipers with your, um, with your clients. And I'm like, who is going to use calipers on their 14 year old client? Oh, probably lots of people now that this was in here. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Like where, like, so I wrote them a letter. I don't know if they've updated their stuff based on my I rate letter to them, but I will tell you breath. something. I know, I know, I know. And I will tell you this right now. My kids two weeks ago got weighed in their gym class. Everyone's staff stood on a fucking scale. I'm not even kidding. I'm like, what year are we again? Goes going back to where are we right now? And they got sent home with a printout that had their weight, their like calorie range that they should be in, their BMI, and like just numbers that I was like, so like you. I sent off a hot email, but this one, I didn't stop and think about how it would be received considering that if people are actually weighing kids, they're like so far from where they need to be regarding what health is that it would land really badly. And it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. They were like, well, I think this is a, I, yeah. So I feel you in like writing letters. I am learning now 
how to, I'm like trying to like learn how to communicate the importance of what it means to be non-diet and to teach these kids and these humans what health really is and to communicate in a way that has, you know, a, a ground level basis mm -hmm. to get into instead of being like, you should fucking know this. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, why don't you know this already? <laughs> and yeah, so I feel you, Michelle, on that one. Yeah. And I'm wondering like, what is even the, inf so they sent home the piece of paper with the weight, height, BMI, and then like, what were you, what, what is a parent supposed to do with that? There was, there was nothing that went along with it. That's a really great question because there was nothing that went along with it. Yeah. And when, you know, and both of my kids, you know, they're my kids. So we, they know about diet culture, all about it. They were like, they were like, and, she, and my, the first thing my son said, he said, you know, we weren't even told that we could opt out if we wanted to. He was like, oh, yeah. he's like, they didn't say a word about it. And, you know, my daughter, some of my kids are 12 and almost 14. So they're right in the age, the mm -hmm. age range that, you know, it sounds like Michelle. And my daughter said that her, you know, her friend was like mute the rest of class. And I think if you remember being that age, yeah. Oh yeah, stepping on a scale and not being, you know, a society accepted size, you felt awful if you were yeah. fucking thrown on a scale. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's mortifying. Yeah. It's yeah. bullshit. It's actually a Massachusetts state law. They're required to do that in schools. And I'm like, we need to get this law off the books. I don't know which dipshit state rep pushed it through. I don't care. I used to work for the state. I'm going to say this. <laughs> You're a dipshit. Whoever sponsored that bill. Um, it like, I, I mean, there was just an article about Melrose. They, they screwed it right. up somehow. And I'm like, all right, that's, <laughs> this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to dip into my past experience and start, you know, rallying folks to get this law off the books in Massachusetts. Cause it's not, it's not helpful. Right. It is literally yeah. doing nothing. It's nothing. And what I said to the principal in one of my first communications, I was like, the things that you're doing in gym class with your kids now I am fixing with my clients now who fucking hate exercise and they diet all the time because they remember, you know, being weighed in gym class and being forced to take the fitness test and doing bad on it and feeling shame and all of that stuff. Like it carries, it carries with people their entire lives. I mean, this is where we're at because of that stuff. And yeah, the fact that it's still being done to kids these days, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, training these kids in 20 years and like mm -hmm. yep, telling them that it's okay to, you know, be any size you are, you know, yeah, yeah. it's a mess. 100%. 100%. It starts yeah. so early. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I think it's, you know, in just continuing, you know, uh, this conversation about intuitive eating and why I became a counselor was th this exact reason, right? Because you know, food and fitness is so intertwined and what, what health is, is so, is so fucked up in how it's it's pushed most prominently in the media that I wanted to have something to back up why I don't sell a diet program because I think people will go to diet programs all the time because they think that's what health is. So I wanted to I wanted to have some verbiage and some stats and I wanted to have like talking points with people as to why it's so important that uh, how not dieting is better for your health, how, you know, eating enough calories and eating things that you like that are, you know, nutrient dense, that all of that can be done outside of what is a traditional fitness and health program. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I feel like, you know, folks don't even know anything different, you know, when they're, you know, they, what's your, what's your goal? I want to lose weight. Okay. Well, why do you want to lose weight? Well, because 
my doctor told me to, or because my BMI is in the overweight or obese range, or I don't know. <laughs> you know I've literally <laughs> yeah, had people I say, I don't know. Like, that's why you hire a trainer. That's why you hire a nutrition coach to lose weight. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. still the prevalent. It is. Yeah. We're still weighing kids in school. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I loved about going through the certification with um, Evelyn was just like every week she would, you know, uh, add to this document of research. And it's just like study upon study upon study about, you know, weight not being a measure of health and, you know, things like, you know, uh, uh, numbers, right? Everybody's so concerned about cholesterol and, you know, things where weight really didn't affect these things. And it's, you don't see that shit. What you do see is, you know, the obesity epidemic in quotes, obviously, like you yeah. hear about that. It's, that's the stuff that gets pushed and not, and I know, and I know that, I mean, as a society, like a lot needs to happen and a lot needs to change for us to get to a place where uh, people care about studies that say weight doesn't matter. Yeah. I just wish it didn't take this long. <laughs> it's like, can we fast track this? Yeah. There's a shortcut. <laughs> but it goes, you know, it goes deeper than that. Right. And yeah. I know, I know both of you all, you know, have the same framework because we know why people think that they need to be look a certain way and be a certain way. And it's, it's bigger than, than just the diet and fitness industry. It's a whole structural, it's systemic, it's, it's big and huge and hard. And there's a lot of layers to it. And it's just, it's a challenge to get through to people. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's, I mean, it really is interwoven into like every thread of the fabric of our society from the economy to the patriarchy to racism. It's, there's so much to cut through yeah. to, to eliminate that. Yeah. Totally. It's daunting. Now I'm sad. I know. I was just going to say, <laughs> war, war, so I had to bring it down. <laughs> well, we just killed this episode. I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's why what we do is so important. I think, you know, it's like the quietest voices in the room, they get louder when there's more of them. Right. Yeah. So we can just, it's strength in numbers and we just have to keep educating people. And I, you know, that's what I, it's one of the things I really appreciate about social media is being able to uh, hear so many different viewpoints and, you know, get ideas across that you might not have heard, you know, otherwise. Yeah. So definitely it's, it's happening, you know, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. We just, we need to like form an alliance. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I find so sometimes, and I've talked about this on another episode, um, like my finely curated feed on Instagram, more so than Facebook. I have a little bit more control. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, like, when I go over to Facebook or even when something pops up, and it's such a reminder of how far that we do have to go, you know, when there's programs that are like heal your gut you'll lose 10 pounds and it's like what does that have to do with it what what is why why <laughs> what does that have to do with anything yeah um you know so but that's like what's that's what sells that's what because people are so conditioned to that's what we want to do yeah yeah 100 yeah yeah so i i'm gonna cut right to the fucking chase here. So, 
Um, okay. So like biggest misconception I think about intuitive eating is like, first of all, you know, as we've kind of alluded to, there isn't a place for weight loss in intuitive eating. And I think a lot of people assume, well, that just means I can eat whatever the hell I want. And then I'm going to gain like 6,000 pounds in two months because I'm only going to eat cake. Yeah. Can you speak to this misconception? I would love to. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, people think that automatically because they've had that experience because they've lived in restriction for most of their lives, right? So as a society, we believe that uh, eating certain foods are bad for you. And most of those are sweets or, you know, fried foods or whatever. So it's put in this category of the um, forbidden, right? So when you're coming from that mentality and you only allow yourself foods like that in, you know, in certain situations and celebrations on birthdays, like those kinds of things, it is a, that mentality, all you want to do is eat the whole thing. Right. So that's what it is. So when it comes to eating all the things, and when you first start intuitive eating, you may actually eat all the things, right. And you may eat a lot of it. There's a period of time when you are on your dog or your cat. Marissa's, I can see Marissa. She's like, stop it. Stop it. Who are you talking to? My cat broke in. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to call it out because that's my life. I have four dogs. So I totally know. Like, How did she open the door? <laughs> okay. So there's a period when you start to uh, undiet where it's called habituation. And it's this period of time where you practice eating the foods that were forbidden. The period lasts any, as long as it needs to last. And it's basically trying, getting the food, getting that one prohibitive food. So say like cookies or whatever, and keeping it in your house at all times and eating it whenever you want. Here's the thing. If you eat the same fucking foods all the time, you get sick of it, right? Like you, it loses its power in your brain, in your body. Like you don't want to eat it all, all the time. So once you get past that phase of just being allowing yourself to eat all the things without guilt, without, without any other parameters around it, it becomes not that special. And it just becomes a part of your diet. So there is, yes, there may be a period where you're like eating all the things, but it fucking goes away. And in the end, you get to have it whenever you want. And you stop thinking about that food all the time. You stop putting all these pressures on yourself about if you can eat it, if you should eat it, if you should not eat it when, and it just becomes a part of your life. And it like literally opens up so much brain space for you (laughs) that that you didn't even realize you were wasting on it. I mean, if you really thought about like how much you think about food when you're dieting, it's a fucking Mm. lot. It's all the time. It's all the time. All the time. It's exhausting, right? Thinking about, you know, and I think you know, I think that, you know, there's a lot of like uh, macro coaching going on and that seems to be sort of like the, it's being pushed as like the non-diet kind of thing. Like it's not really a diet, it's just counting macros. And I, and it makes me laugh because a diet is really any food rule that fucking someone else says you should follow, right? So there's no way that you're not thinking about food all the time when you're counting macros and you're being like that mindful. So I just feel like, you know, outside forces telling you when and what and how to eat is exactly why you think about food all the time. And when you're able to let it go, when you're able to allow yourself, you actually don't eat all the fucking things all the time. You actually really want 
a salad or, you know, you, cause your body craves nutrition. Like it does satisfaction. Those are not two different things. They can both happen at the same time and in different, and in different times. Right. But we are humans and we crave food. That's going to nourish us. We crave food that just tastes good. And you get to do all that shit with intuitive evening. You don't get to do it when someone else is telling you not this, but that, you know, so mm -hmm. Yeah, or you can eat whatever you want as long as it fits into this parameter. Yeah, right. or this container. Yeah, or this container, literally, right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. This or this container. time, yeah. or this time period, or you know, yeah. 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 Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that's such a I don't think people realize like until they they take those steps to stop stressing about food, how much energy it takes to have these emotions of fear and stress and anxiety when it comes to food. And were it not for diets and the diet industry, we wouldn't have those feelings around food. Totally. I know. I know. Has it been, when was the last diet you were on Marissa? So let's see the last time I did a diet, I did Weight Watchers. Mm. I did it twice. Both times ended up back in my disordered eating patterns. Shocking. Sure. <laughs> so the first time I did it, I was in college and, um, I literally, I had all of my snacks in my dorm room. I had sharpied the points value on all of the snacks. Yeah. And, oh yeah. All of them. But then it was like, I get how many points? 23 a day. Watch me eat 13. Um, and also work out three hours a day, every day. Um, and you know, didn't really see an issue with that. I don't know why. Um, and luckily kind of came out of that. And then after college, I did it again for a little while. And it was the same thing. I'd like go for a five mile run and come home and be like, I think a glass of milk for dinner would be appropriate. Oh, oh, um, there, You're good. Oh yeah. <laughs> Done. So it was, you know, definitely like a slippery slope for me. It's definitely a huge trigger for me. Sure. Did you do that too, Michelle? Did you go through diets as well? Oh, I've probably been on every single diet under the sun since I yeah. was eight, um, up until yeah. three, four years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, but I'm shaking my head with the, with Weight Watchers in particular about, you know, in college when I would just not eat all week and yep. then save all of my points for the weekend. Right. You could drink. So I could drink more. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I knew that like, if I was going to drink, then I was going to want McDonald's or, you know, whatever uh, yep. college kids do. And so I would just save all my points all week. And then, you know, yep. Yep. I used to do the same oh. thing. And I like totally was convinced I had found a loophole. Like I thought I was a fucking genius. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 and yeah. now in hindsight, I'm like, that's called binging. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's validated by the diet program. Thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand. I think Weight Watchers in particular, right? Because, uh, because it is so number focused that you can change your week and allow, and like, you know, save up quote unquote, your points. Yep. You can do it all at once. Yeah. 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 Cool. Pretty sure my fitness pal works like that too, where Does like it? you get your range and then like the more you move. So the more energy you burn, then the more energy you can take in. And then I'm pretty sure my fitness pal has always put me at 1200 calories a day, no matter like what, yeah. you know, that's like, what it does. It basically gives everyone roughly the same. Does it really? Calorie range. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So 
Yeah. yeah, there's no there. I mean, there's nothing, you know, what counters that? Like, where's the app that says, you know, you can have as many calories as you want. Like, there, you know, there's just like, there's so many that do that, that count and track and there's none that here's a market, right? There's none that like, you know, uh, like text you support, like you can eat that thing. And, you know, yep. Right. Yeah, for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh. There's the million dollar idea right I there. I know. I feel like I just mean. said it, but I feel like there's so much thought that I could put into that to make that like a real thing. I yeah. Mean, Should I delete it. this, edit this part out so nobody takes our dibs on this? Right. I'm gonna if you leave it in, I'm gonna say somebody else do it. I don't have time for that shit, but you go do it and make it awesome. All right. And then I'll just have time either. That one. <laughs> but you imagine you type and you're like. I just ate six slices of pizza and the app's like, yeah, <laughs> how are you feeling? But also, you know, and like with intuitive eating too, like there is that whole mindfulness component, right? So yeah. like, you know, six slices for some people might feel okay, but for other people, it might feel like way too much food. So like, yeah. it's not, you know, like it's not the like free for all that, like we were just talking about that everybody thinks it is. It's actually being checking in with yourself. How do you feel when you eat six slices of pizza? And if you feel good, great. If you don't feel good, let's look at why, right? So there's some, right. there's more like reflection. And I think also too, I want to add this in that I think mindfulness also gets co-opted in the dieting world as, as yes. well, right? So like they use that as like, be mindful, st but stop eating when you feel, you know, when you feel like 80% full, like be mindful of that 80%. And that kind of blows, that goes in a whole nother direction too. So it's just, yeah. Like if there's, it's just so hard. And as you were talking about in the beginning, it's so hard to determine where, you know, when you follow someone or you, you know, buy a program, what their intentions are. Uh, Cause sometimes it's in the fine print, right? Like, yeah. you know, and it's like, you don't realize it's a diet until you're in like Noom, right? Like Noom who yeah. Really yeah. is the queen of all like fuckery when it comes to, you know, what you think you're getting versus what you really are getting, you know, they're yeah. using psychology and then, you know, whatever. And then you go in there and they like, they, I believe they color code food. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I logged in once I did this, I think last year. And like, I talked about it on IG and I don't quite remember, but I believe that there's like red and green and yellow foods. And so like, yep. So like, again, do you know for sure, Marissa? I'm Have you pretty sure. Yeah. I think they do the traffic lights and then oh, it's the same thing. They set around 1200 calories for oh. most people. I worked with a client, um, a year or so ago that was, had been doing Noom and she like showed me what she got. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> no, no, no. You're going to be eating more than this. Yeah, right. um, and that's scary. I think that that's an important thing to recognize is for folks that have been steeped in dieting for so long the idea of eating more or allowing yourself a trigger food in your house is terrifying and that's valid and that totally. that's legit. Yeah, for absolutely yeah. For sure. And I totally don't blame people who say that they feel like out of control or addicted to food Yeah, um, because that is a very valid feeling, right? Yep. It's, uh, you know, not, not a physical fact, but it's absolutely what can happen in your brain when you've been mentally and, and physically restricting, right? Like it's, 
it's a real feeling and I don't want to discount yeah. that. And, and I always say like, I fucking live here too. I know why you diet. Like I know why you're on Noom. I know why you're on Weight Watchers. Like I get it. I just also want to acknowledge that there's a different and a better way to do it that you're going to be happier with and you're going to feel better with and you're going to enjoy your life more with, you know? I mean, I appreciate these conversations so much because I think that, um, I just don't think they happen enough. And so when- yeah when they do happen and like, I, you know, I see what you post and I'm going to get on your shit too, Marissa, but like, I see, (laughs) I see what, you know, what you guys put out there. And I think that, uh, the more that we talk about it, the more that, you know, we post about it, the more that we talk with our family and friends about it, which I think Mm -hmm. is probably the missing link here, right? Like it's a lot easier to post about than it is to talk to your fucking mother about it. Right. Like that kind of shit. Yeah. Mother's a boomer. Right. For sure. I was laughing, you know, if you ever think about, you know, uh, where you learned, you know, some of your diet habits or, you know, what kind of, how dieting showed up when you're, when you were a child, my mom used to, my mom went through various diets and, uh, but she used to drink slim fast with her breakfast because she thought that was how it went. Like you, you have slim fast with your breakfast. Like it flushed it out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. She went through that. Like, I mean, we always had these gigantic cases of slim fast in our house. And like, and then I went, I went on like a, do you remember Carnation Instant Breakfast? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And it never dissolved. There was always a at the bottom. We always had those too. And that was like, to me, like slim fast light. Like I, yeah. I, like a, I used it like a slim fast, but like in, in the, the way slim fast was intended as, you know, the meal, you know, yeah. it's a big one. Yeah. And I was thinking about like my mother later on, like I went on the cabbage soup diet with her. Like, I feel like the cabbage soup diet was in like the sixties, but yet I went on it like in the nineties with her. I don't know. <laughs> we revived it. I think. Weight Watchers. <laughs> Vintage. Because Weight Watchers has their like infamous or like infamous, their notorious, uh, famous, excuse me, uh, <laughs> vegetable soup, which is actually a very good. I actually enjoy the soup because mm-hmm. it is just veggie broth and tons of vegetables but for a long time in the 90s the Weight Watchers vegetable soup was like a huge thing for people to meal prep for the week and that's like what my mom would eat for the week and that's what I would eat for the week and then like when I cycled back to Weight Watchers when I was older like oh yeah that vegetable soup and it's so filling yeah it's zero points yeah yeah zero yeah so I think the cabbage soup thing kind of looped back in with that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I definitely remember always the Weight Watcher snacks in the house as a kid. And oh, they were yeah. off limits. And I remember Nothing my mom being like, those are my snacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. We learned, it's just, we learned so much from our parents when we grew up, you know, interesting interestingly enough, my father was a binge eater. My father was, um, he would go to the gym quite frequently. Uh, he was very muscular. He was very quote unquote fit. He was like, but he definitely, and I didn't realize this until actually after he died, he died about six years ago. Um, and, and I didn't have a relationship with him, uh, for a good portion of that time. So I missed a lot of being able to talk to him about this stuff. I was like, you know, 
by the time we were talking, I spent a good portion of the time just like telling him he was a shitty dad. And then he got sick and he died. (laughs) I laugh about it. It's, 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 we had some, some good conversations. I laugh, but it wasn't all that horrible. It's just, that's kind of how it went. Anyway, when we were growing up, he used to, uh, on the weekends, he used to eat like one or two boxes of, of like 24 popsicles, like just sit on the couch and do it. And then every time he had um, a birthday, he would literally like, we'd make a cake and he would eat the whole thing in one sitting. Wow. And I never really realized like that, you know, and I would do that too. I mean, I've, I think like you, I, well, maybe not like you, but I had, I went in and out of anorexia and bulimia for most of my childhood. And I would binge eat like that too. During my quote unquote good days, like when I wasn't throwing up, like I would sort of think that was kind of normal because my dad did it and he was like, you know, quote unquote fit. And, you know, like, I don't know, you just learn, you learn so much. That's why I try really hard to be super transparent with my own kids about what my history was, what I did, what we do now. We talk about intuitive eating all the time. We have all the shit in the house all the time. And we talk about how you feel when you eat too much of it, how you feel when you don't. And I feel like none of those conversations took place when I was a kid. I don't think they took place when you were a fucking kid or when you were a kid, like, right? Like, I feel like, you know, we were conditioned to be extreme in one way or the other. And there was no like real conversation about what a good relationship with food looks like. It was like, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're not supposed to do. And like in various disordered patterns in between, right? Yeah, definitely. I think there's so much value in digging in to your past and trying to find the roots of your mentality around food and your eating habits. So I think you have to have that understanding in order to figure out the best way to start rewriting those old scripts in your mind. And it's hard and it sucks because sometimes you have to recognize that the people who were supposed to be protecting you and had the best of intentions did damage. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one to, to recognize and internalize and then forgive. Right. Like, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. We all, we all have our, have our processes with that. Don't we? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I do also want to say that I think that, um, the, what intuitive eating is, is an excellent framework, but I don't think it's the only way to not diet. Mm. Um, I think that people come to the non-diet world for various reasons and uh, have various feelings about it. I think that what Evelyn and Elise have done has, is wonderful, but I don't think it's the only way. And I think, you know, later on in the beginning of in, intuitive eating, um, there was some language in, in the first book that was a little problematic and um, there was not too much awareness on uh, the privilege that uh, Evelyn and Elise had in the beginning and being mindful of, you know, honoring other cultures and how people eat and what people look like. And I believe um, there was some talk about weight in the very beginning of intuitive eating. They have since grown and done a ton of work on trying to be um, and being aware of, you know, not being the loudest voice in the room uh, when it comes to this and, you know, being mindful that it's not, um, you know, not to center themselves in the anti-diet movement because it is, you know, at its core, as we've discussed, a social justice movement, right? Like, because yep. everything is rooted in in a system that we need to fucking mess with, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think there are some people that maybe uh, not be so much into intuitive eating practices of themselves because of who created it, two thin mm-hmm. white women. Um, yeah. 
So I think that uh, I just want to say that that being said, it's like it's a great framework. I think it's great, but I think you can come into the the basis of what intuitive intuitive eating is in a variety of different ways, and it doesn't have to look one particular way. Absolutely. I think that I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think it's really important. I think it's really timely um, given the, what has been coming out about, um, you know, the health at every size movement and how the people that should be centered in that movement are not. Um, I won't go any further than that, but one thing that, you know, and I think, I think we've talked about this in a previous episode that, you know, um, there has been this, this willingness um, to acknowledge that, you know, when intuitive eating started, there were some shortcomings. And then what I appreciate is how transparent they've been about, yeah, yeah, yes. we screwed up at first and we're, we're changing it. And I've, I've been so appreciative of that. I remember what I bought, I think it's the fourth edition now. Yes, um, yeah. And I opened it and they, they open up the, the beginning of the book right away. Yeah. Mia culpa. This is this different. Now we see the error of our ways. And I was like, damn, like, right that's what, that's the way to do it. <laughs> you know, that's being accountable. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think with the current situation, I'll say it, I don't mind Marissa with, do uh, it. With, Linda, <laughs> with Linda Bacon, not being accountable for the way that she harmed people, different people in the space that, um, frankly, the space, you know, the space that is, she took a lot of uh, credit for the entire movement when she wrote a book about it. Right. Or, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. They, yeah. When they wrote the book, uh, they wrote a book. They didn't start mm -hmm. the book. So right. I love that Evelyn and Elise have really been mindful of holding themselves accountable and recognizing that um, it's that there's other voices that need to be heard in the space and they're doing their best. So that matters to me, right? If we yeah. just judged everybody based on, you know, the year that they thought this, like we'd all be fucked, right? Like, oh yeah. People are, should change. They, they're allowed to change. We should give them the space to change and not, you know, whatever yeah and not and allow them to change right like give them the space to do it yeah absolutely that's part of the human experience we're, we're here to make mistakes and to grow from them um and I think that we you know we're at a point with social media where it seems like the knee-jerk reaction is well well they fucked up they need to be canceled or you know unfollow them this or the other thing and immediately assuming like disingenuity when right. they come back and say, I apologize, I'm learning, you know, obviously, yes, people have to be held accountable, but there also has to be this ability to say, you know what, you're a human being and you're right. trying, show me you're trying. Right. And you know, that's, I think what's important. And it takes, I think it's, it takes guts to say, yeah, I screwed up and I want to fix it. Yeah, because if you don't take steps to change how you're feeling, um, then you never change. Yep. And I think people are scared to make mistakes. And I feel like yes. I'm constantly making mistakes and I'm allowing myself the grace to do that because if I didn't make mistakes, I would never grow, right? I yep. think all of us mm -hmm. are in that, in that path. So I think people, and rightly so, right? Because of the way they don't want to get canceled. You know, they don't want people to look at them in a specific way. But mm -hmm. if we're all scared to grow and to unlearn things, then nothing ever changes. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I'm with you exactly. on all that. Yeah, definitely. So come to transition kind of into the work that you do as a personal trainer. Um, and I know back at the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about 
you did the intuitive eating course and certification to kind of augment your personal training. And so you'd have that referral network and everything. And so how do you utilize the principles that you've learned for intuitive eating in your work with folks that maybe you're working mostly with movement with them? That's a great question. Well, I think, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, when we talk about exercise, a lot of it comes to energy needs, right? Like that's, you can't avoid food when we're talking about fitness. Like it's just right. those topics come up. Yep. So uh, inevitably, you know, most of the people that I work with have been on a diet or on a diet, or, you know, I think that's most people, right? So uh, we kind of talk about that. It usually comes up uh, naturally in conversation. And for some people it's brought up, right? So some people are wanting to not diet anymore and wanting to know how to eat intuitively. And then we have those real conversations. So I do both one-on-one -on -one coaching and then I have my group membership, um, which is it's a group membership. It's monthly. We just, we're going to close the doors next week. By the time this comes out, the doors will probably be closed. So I'll opening doors again, again in September. But it's a big part of, of how I work with clients. We talk like I did a whole, so there are 10 principles to intuitive eating. And we spent a couple months in my group program going over each of the principles. So every, right. every couple of weeks we'd meet and we, and we'd break them down. And then I, we have a community page where we talk about uh, all, all the things. And I have a, I have a topic board set directly to intuitive eating to, to kind of talk about those kinds of things. So it's just a regular conversation, just making intuitive eating normal, making the non-diet conversation normal, which I think is the opposite of how most people experience fitness programs. Right. Yep. And yep. then, so they're just like talking to people with my clients on an everyday basis. We talk about food. I love to cook. It's a big part of who I am. I'm a baker. I'm a cooker. It's, it's my thing. So I love <laughs> to talk recipes and food. And so we talk about that. And then we talk about, you know, uh, feeding and your workouts and, you know, kind of the basics of nutrition, which are really all that you need, right? Yeah. So just understanding, you know, the basics of, you know, your protein, fiber, fats, like getting that shit in, you know, making sure that you have, you know, some kind of balance to your week of what you eat and making sure that you eat enough. Like those things come up all the time and they come up outside of what a diet plan looks like. So it's just kind of regular conversation. And then, you know, it shows, it also shows up in how people talk about themselves when, you know, in certain exercises and words, you know, being uncomfortable with how they look or how they close and we are the clothes that they wear. And, you know, just little things like, Hey, you know what, if those pants don't fit, go fucking get a pair of pants that do fit, right? Like yeah. buy clothes that fit your body now. So you feel good now because tight clothes don't feel good. Just like making sure that they are, you know, that they're supported in, you know, moving well and, and in the bodies that they have right now, and they don't need to change their bodies in order to be more fit right yeah. so like a lot of you know a lot of people come to me with pain and we get through that pain none of that shit comes from how much you weigh right like right. you can you get out of pain and you can be more mobile by doing mobility exercises by strength training by doing all these things and they're not a number focus so that's kind of it shows up it shows up in a whole bunch of different ways but those are I think I hit on a, on half of them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that because there's so much diet talk um, in most fitness spaces. Um, so to have a space um, for folks to be where there is just the absence, not just the absence of the diet talk, but actually 
something different, something that allows them to feel more safe and more comfortable or to a vet to start feeling that way, even if they don't right away. Um, it's so important. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I like, if I had like a figurative Sharpie, I would go and like underscore the part where you said, um, all you need is the basics of nutrition. I think the diet culture that we live in has us so convinced that everything is so complicated and our bodies are these, you know, terrifying things that are constantly trying to trick us or work against us. And we need to know all these crazy intricacies and it's not that crazy. It is so much simpler than we've been led to believe it is. And I think that it, I mean, it really, it just kind of fuels the pipeline to, to more diets because we're convinced, well, I can't possibly figure it out. I can't possibly do it myself. Um, it's so complicated and it's not, we all have the same basic needs. Totally. Yeah. I so appreciate that. I think most people too, like question their ability to know what they need. Right. Because there's so much outside noise when it comes down to it. Most people generally know how to eat nutritiously, right? You got to fucking eat some protein, eat some vegetables, fucking, you know, like we know what, what it does, what it looks like to eat nutritiously, but we're just so bombarded by the bullshit that it gets lost in the sauce of what we already know. Totally. Absolutely. We get like alienated from ourselves. It's like, we forget to like check in and like, oh, my body's telling me it's hungry because I'm fucking hungry. Like, <laughs> I know, you know I don't need a fucking glass of water. I need some yeah. food. Yeah, exactly. totally. And yeah. they, and it's like, you know, like pe- I've actually, you know, people have asked me, you know, how do I know if I'm thirsty or if I'm hungry? I'm like, you do already know you're just, yeah. you're putting too much thought into it. Like you do really know. You, yeah have a glass of water. If you're still hungry after that glass of water, you fucking hungry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you need food. When in doubt, test it out. Yeah. yeah, totally. I know. It's like we lose. And that's, that's the thing. It's this concept called interoceptive awareness. It's like that ability to read our internal cues, right? Like, like the need to go to the bathroom, right? Like we know what that fucking feels like, but yeah. we start to lose what it feels like to be hungry and what it feels like to be full. And when we have all this outside noise it messes with that ability to know yeah. what we need. And that's, mm-hmm that's on diet culture, right? Like that's right there. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Totally. Michelle, did your thought ever come back to you? It did actually. So now I'm trying to figure out how to cycle back, but we're just going to do it. So I was thinking about how there's so many, like, so when we're thinking about Noom or Weight Watchers, or even there's a lot of fitness and nutrition coaches out there who say they're giving you something super individualized, right? Um, And even, you know, my fitness pal, yeah, it's individualized, quote unquote, because you're putting your height and weight and stuff into it. And then it's spewing out something that's not really individualized. And then it's telling you do this, not that, right? Um, But they're affordable, quote unquote. So like how much is a Noom subscription? How much is a Weight Watchers subscription? And because they're literally just telling you, like they're saying here, here's the map, right? But then there's no guidance from folks like us (laughs) to then, you know, but that's what makes it so affordable because it's not really that individualized or supportive, Um, which is really frustrating. And I know that coaching 
high level coaching can be financially inaccessible to a lot of people. Um, and I think that I think that there is time when we also think about people who have the amount of money that they have wasted over the year on diet after diet, after diet, after diet, after diet, after diet. After diet, after diet. Yep. Right. So it's like, it's all adding up. Um, yeah. And that's just really unfortunate, but it's marketed as this is individualized and you get your own psychologue, like whatever Noom says. And, you know, it's really just the same shit, you know, wrapped up in different paper and um, so true. that's shitty. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so just true. the same old like turn them and burn them. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, you know, you know, like kind of like, a, I think the model of Planet Fitness is to keep it super low. And I don't think, I think they don't assume that people are really going to use their membership because it is so cheap. So they're kind of banking on people not yeah. coming. Yeah. It's how like, they make their money. Right. People not coming. Yeah. It's wild to think about. Yeah. I mean, us as a coach, that whole, that whole thing just you know, that's not what we do, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that, you know, as, as we discussed earlier, like just being, you know, thinking about your fitness and your health as a more holistic approach, right? It's literally health is not just what you eat and how you move. It's a bigger mm -hmm. picture than that. And that's what, you know, the non-diet approaches actually encompasses, right? So, it's not personalized because it can't be that diet shit because it's, they, they're strictly relying on you to think that health is your exercise plan and how you eat. And that's why it's so cheap. Cause that's nothing. That's not even what we're talking about when we're talking about health and fitness here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. War, war, I feel like we just brought it down again. Another notch. nice. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Michelle. <laughs> Sorry, I'll just go to bed now. Um, <laughs> Bring it back up. All right. Um, Gonna end on a high note. <laughs> I'll sing for you. Hi. Um, <laughs> no, I think that the work that you do, Gretchen, is so important. And, you know, the messaging that you put out on social media is needed and it needs to be seen by more people you know and um i just really appreciate the work that you do and um the people that you work with are really lucky to have you thank um, you for saying that i just want to uh send that right back to you and say that i feel that way about you as well so i'm glad you. we're in this place today and marissa it's been awesome talking to you i'm glad i got to meet you and now i get to nice. follow you too yeah, yeah. comment on all your chat too <laughs> Thank you for uh, spending some time with us. Um, great. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking me. It's such a good time. Yay. A little party. So tell the people where they can find you um, so they can go follow you and pay attention to when your membership opens again in September. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My Instagram is at coach Gretchen Myers. Is it? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is coach Gretchen. Yeah, no coach Gretchen Myers. And my website is the same www.coachgretchenmyers.com. I'm probably I'm biggest on Instagram. I have a Facebook account, but I'm trying to get off it. So I'm not even going to talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. And that's it. My program will be opening in September. It's all it's called the kettlebell collaborative. Oh, I also it. do one-on-one -on -one coaching. So you can find both information on both of those services right up on my site. 
Excellent. We will definitely make sure we, we link all that in the show notes too. So it'll be super accessible to folks. This has been an episode of the strong and simple podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the topics we've discussed or about any of our guests, please make sure that you visit us on Instagram at strong and simple podcast. And if there's ever any topics, questions, concerns, anything that you would like to suggest to us, please feel free to email us at strong and simple podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. content of this podcast represents the views and opinions of Michelle Farrell, Marissa Zabo, and their guests, and is not intended to be individualized advice or recommendations. Nothing in this episode is to be construed as medical advice or to substitute for individualized fitness or nutrition advice. Always consult with the appropriate professional for your own needs.